1938, a team of researchers launched the Harvard Study on Adult Development, the longest in-depth longitudinal study on human life and flourishing ever attempted. The study followed 724 participants, composed of both Harvard undergrads and disadvantaged youths in Boston. It followed them throughout the course of their lives, conducting interviews and collecting data about their physical and psychological and social well-being. Earlier this month, researchers finally published their findings in a new book called The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. They arrived at this simple conclusion. Good relationships lead to health and happiness. Shocking, I know. <laughs> Most importantly, they found that those relationships must be nurtured for happiness to flourish. They call this social fitness, because just like physical fitness, the happiness we receive from our relationships is directly related to the effort we put into them. That is to say, I can't simply think about going to the gym and get fit. I need to put in the effort to make it happen, unfortunately for me. As a result, the study also revealed the impact of loneliness that affects so many people of all different ages. There's still a lot that needs to be said for the topic of mental health those for whom happiness does not come easily even when surrounded by loving relationships. Without discounting the value of such a study, I actually think it's quite nice to fund things that promote human happiness. But we have before us in our gospel a study of human happiness of almost 2,000 years, known as the Beatitudes in the Sermon on of the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes are about happiness. The word blessed means happy. We call them the Beatitudes because the Latin word for blessed is beati. The Victorian English writer Elizabeth Trundle Charles captured the meaning of blessed as a heart in harmony with itself, at rest, content, satisfied, full of all the music of which human hearts are capable, from the soft murmurs of content to the thunder of many waters of ecstatic rapture, all that is involved in all the words expressive of human bliss, reaching up to divine creative joy. Blessed. The biblical scholar Jonathan Pennington calls the Beatitudes an invitation to flourishing. The word blessed suggests more than we ordinarily mean by the word happy, but not less. And frankly, I don't think there's anything wrong with us using the word happy. And in fact, it might serve to bring the Beatitudes a little down to earth, which is precisely what the Beatitudes are all about the happiness of heaven made available to us on earth. Again, just as a side note, 
the Beatitudes and mental health may seem to present a challenge or a disconnect. And sometimes in church circles, this has only been made worse when anxiety or depression are interpreted as God's tools that God wants us to suffer, or when prayer is used as a substitute for therapy or meds. It's important just to note that on the side. But I think that we can at least say this much, and it may come as a surprise. God wants you to be happy. I'll say it again. God wants you to be happy. This is not to say that God exists to make us happy. Or even on the other hand, I also don't think it's quite right to say that you and I exist to make God happy. As if God's happiness somehow depends upon yours or my ability to do so. God wants us to be happy is to say, I think, that God is relationship. And good relationship begets happiness. Blessed be God forever. The Beatitudes are first about Jesus. Jesus, if you've never thought of it this way, is actually the happiest person to ever live. Jesus is God's invitation to happiness and flourishing. Jesus is the happy one, the blessed one, because Jesus is the poor one of God, poor in spirit and poor in material. Jesus mourns. Jesus is the one who mourns sin, but he also mourns the death of his friend Lazarus. Jesus is meek. As I like to say, Jesus is mighty because he is weak. Meekness, a forgotten beatitude. Jesus hungers and thirsts for justice. Jesus hungers and thirsts not for a punitive or retributive justice, but a restorative justice. Jesus is the clean of heart, the one who sees the true and the good and the beautiful in the heart of every person. Jesus is the peacemaker. Jesus suffers insult and injury, lies and persecution without retaliation. And a relationship with Jesus means Jesus shares his life shares his way of being happy with us. The Beatitudes describe relationships that are built on grace and gratitude, not out of guilt. The Beatitudes describe a community whose new way of life is made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus. One of the relationships that came to my mind this week is my friend Jacob. Jacob is a Presbyterian pastor. He and I met in the fall of 2020, shortly after I arrived at St. John's. And since then, most Monday mornings, he and I would get together for coffee and conversation, usually talking shop about theology and ministry or current events and life in general. We usually always had a book that we'd be reading together. And the most recent one that we finished was on the Beatitudes. It was called The Beatitudes Through the Ages by Rebecca Eklund, who teaches out at Loyola University in Baltimore. 
And it's a book all about the different ways that these Beatitudes have been interpreted and applied in different times and cultures. And while it's from our study, our talking together, that I came across interesting quotes, like the one I shared from Elizabeth Trundle Charles, people I've never really heard of before, the book, of course, was really just an excuse to gather and to build each other up in so many ways week from week. Beatitude is a relationship, not a book. In December, my friend Jacob received a call to pastor a church back in his home state of Texas. And so at the beginning of January, he moved back with his wife and his two small children. And this is his second weekend there. And we had to smile when we found out that we're both preaching on the Beatitudes. It's a relationship that I hope to nurture. Jesus in the Beatitudes commissions us to be an antidote to loneliness. I think about our widows and our widowers, the homebound experiencing loneliness, the ones who don't always have someone to check in on them, to remember them. On the other end of the spectrum, I also think about our young people who feel lonely and are looking for love and companionship, which isn't always easy to come by. And I wonder if our high school or college or young adults would ever consider taking up the ministry of visiting or taking communion to uh, those very same elderly population. Our older parishioners love interacting with our young people. And I also think that our young people would benefit greatly from listening to the life experience and even love and relationship advice that our older parishioners have to share. It's just an idea. Being a disciple of Jesus is the ongoing joy of discovering happiness on earth as it is in heaven. Through his goodness, we have received all that we need to be happy, Jesus and each other. Blessed be God forever.